This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. The sermon for today is part of a series through the book of Ephesians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in the city of Ephesus. Shirley and I have been to the city of Ephesus in the country Turkey and it was a privilege to walk down the main street to see some of the sights that Paul actually saw and was addressing. So this message is entitled ID Check because Ephesians tells us our identity in Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that many years ago, uh, this letter was penned and it was written so that we may be blessed, we may be encouraged, we may be inspired by your Holy Spirit who moved the Apostle Paul to write these words. And they're just as applicable and relevant today as they were to the first people to hear it read. So thank you for this message about your love that we're about to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's message is, you are dearly loved by God. You know, some of us need to really let that sink in. You're feeling unloved, you're feeling lonely, you're feeling uh, that you may not matter or not have much value, you may not count in the way the world looks and estimates value. But you know what? You matter to God. God loves you with an everlasting love. You are dearly loved by God. And we're going to see this in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. How loved by God are you? I'm going to give you three reasons for you to consider yourself really, really loved by God. The three reasons come out of this chapter and they are these. Number one, you're so loved by God that God raised up an apostle to the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul. And you're going to see why you're so loved in a moment because of that. You are so loved by God that God revealed a mystery involving you called the church. This is a mystery that had been kept hidden for ages and was revealed, and it's going to show how much God loves you. And number three, you are so dearly loved by God that God answers prayers for you and by you. And you're going to experience and look at the multidimensional aspects of the love of Christ. So these are three reasons you can consider yourself dearly loved by God. Now let's really dig in and see how this um, portrays the love of God for each of us. Number one. You're so dearly loved that God raised up an apostle to the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul. Now, I want you to understand that back in Paul's day, there were two groups of people. There were the Jews and there were the Gentiles. There were the Jews who were the chosen people of God. And there were the goyim, or the pagans, 
who were not chosen by God. Now, unless you have Jewish blood, you would feel like an outsider, like an alien, like someone who's on the reject list because you're not one of the chosen people. You are not being showered with the love of God. However, God and his plan from the beginning said, I'm going to include Gentiles in my people. I'm going to include them through faith in Jesus Christ to be part of my chosen people. And to do this, he raised up this man named Saul, who studied under the rabbi Gamaliel and was a zealous um, Pharisee, a member of a high-ranking spiritual group, uh, the Sanhedrin, the 70. And as one, he was so zealous, he persecuted the church, but on the way, on the road to Damascus, he saw Jesus and he trusted in Jesus as his Savior, and he began, began to proclaim the very faith that he was trying to destroy, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. So here's where he tells the story. Ephesians 3, 1 and 2. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. So Paul is a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of us Gentiles. Because he proclaimed the gospel and he said, Gentiles are now being included into the family of God, he was hated. He experienced severe opposition and persecution. So much so that a riot broke out when someone suspected it that he brought a Gentile into the temple. No Gentile is allowed in the temple. And because he was seen with a Gentile, they supposed that he brought that Gentile into the temple. And because of that, a riot broke out and he was being pulled right and left and almost torn in part. And a Roman soldier officer had to break it up. And that's when Paul appealed to Caesar. He wanted his case taken to Caesar because he was being falsely accused. And now he's under house arrest in Rome after surviving an incredible shipwreck. And he's able to read and write and receive visitors, but he's chained to a Roman soldier 24-7. So any Roman soldier that was chained to him heard the gospel. But the point here is he saw himself not as a prisoner of Emperor Nero, but he saw himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus and for a purpose, for the sake of Gentiles. So if it wasn't for Paul or God raising up Saul to become Paul, if it wasn't for Paul to preach the gospel and to experience persecution and imprisonment and eventually martyrdom for the sake of the gospel, we would not have the gospel today. And I want you to know something, that when I teach Isaiah or I teach um, some other book mentioning a godly saint from the past who was faithful in delivering the truth, I am actually thankful for that person as a person. Because that's the history of the church. God uses ordinary people who trust him and who are faithful to hold forth 
the word of life. What a heritage we have. But what an act of love that God should have grace, unmerited favor on a persecutor who gave his thumb down when they said, should we stone Stephen? And he was like, yes, we should. And they stoned Stephen to death. So in a very real sense, Saul was guilty of murder. But God in his grace transformed him from a murderer to a missionary. And I, for one, am very thankful that God so loved me that he raised up an apostle to a Gentile like me so that by faith in Christ, I could be included into the family of God. Aren't you thankful? We see about Paul in Ephesians 3, 7, and 8 that he describes himself as a servant. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. So Paul recognizes that he was saved by grace and he serves by grace. There's different kinds of grace. Grace is the divine enablement from God. You know, God gives us comforting grace when we're grieving. He surrounds us with his love, his presence. He gives us a supernatural peace and reassurance. We need comforting grace. There's saving grace. You can't save yourself by your works. You save, you're saved by faith in Christ and Christ alone. And then there's serving faith. God gives you the energy. Notice the words working of his power. The word working is in Greek is energia, and the word power is dunamis. Dunamis. So you have the word energy and the word dynamite. God is working in you by his serving grace, so you have the power to serve him and to continue to serve him. His energy, his power enables you to serve him. That's serving grace. And there's sustaining grace. When you're going through a very tough time, when you're suffering with a thorn in the flesh, God says to you, my grace is sufficient for you. God gives you a grace in spite of your suffering that holds you together, that keeps you able to put one foot in front of the other. Now notice, the serving grace that God gave to Paul was so that he could preach to who? So he could preach to the Gentiles. We are the Gentiles. And to tell them what? To tell them about the boundless riches of Christ. Now I want you to know that Paul was lost for words and he couldn't find the exact word for uh, what he was trying to say. The word boundless can mean unfathomable, incomprehensible, infinite. The riches of Christ are out of this world. And he's got the privilege, he's got the job description of telling people about the boundless riches of Christ. Just think about it. We can be forgiven through faith in Christ. We could be adopted in God's forever family through faith in Christ. We can have the Holy Spirit in our lives as a guarantee of heaven in our lives because of 
God's grace and Jesus Christ. So this is the important thing that he goes on to say, my job description is to preach to the Gentiles and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God and created, who created all things. So Paul was let in on a divine secret. A mystery was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit so he could understand it. That mystery was that Gentiles would be included into the people of God as equals with Jews to enjoy all of the privileges therein and thereof of being the chosen people of God. That's the mystery that was kept under wraps for ages and has now been revealed and which is the subject of Paul's preaching and his making plain to everyone. So Paul wanted to know Christ and to make Christ known. And that should be our mission, to know Christ and to make him known. To tell other people, you can be rich in Christ, spiritually have every blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Trust in Christ and everything that you've ever longed for will come into your life and into your heart and it gets even better when you get to heaven. That's a wonderful message we have to share. So God raised up the Apostle Paul to the Gentiles for the Gentiles to show his great love to us. And Paul writes in Ephesians 3.13, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. I want you to imagine a mother and what she has to go through and endure for childbirth to bring a new life into the world. There's a lot of suffering, isn't there? Now, think about Paul. To birth new believers so that they come to Christ, he had to go through a lot of persecution, including uh, whippings and, and, pers- and being stoned to death, uh, stoned um, so that they thought he died, and being um, imprisoned. These sufferings he was doing on the behalf of Gentiles, of which we are included. Had, Christ, uh, had Paul not suffered, had Paul not stayed with the gospel and proclaimed it faithfully and accurately, we would not have it today. God so loved you and me that he raised up the apostle Paul. But secondly, God loves us so dearly that he revealed the mystery involving you and me. It's called the church. And that's found in Ephesians 3 as well. That Paul's job description is to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past has, was kept hidden in God, who created all things. And God's intent was that now, through the church, through the church, there's the key words, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, that is in Christ, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Now I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that the word mystery is mentioned again and again. The mystery that has been hidden is that God was making a new people that God was raising up a new humanity, 
made of all those who trust in Christ. Yes, there were hints in the Old Testament when God said to Abram, I am going to bless you and give you descendants more numerous than the stars in the heavens or the sand particles on the beach. He was talking about how Abram, who is, whose name would be changed to Abraham, meaning father of many nations, that Abram would be the father of all who believe, whether they be Jewish or whether they be Gentile. So there were hints in the Old Testament that the Gentiles would be part of the people of God, but this whole concept called the church was one nobody anticipated. Nobody saw that one coming, the church. And God's plan, you see, he, he's a planner. He has an intent, and it also says that he has an eternal purpose. And this eternal purpose and intent was accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Had it not been for Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ rising from the dead so we could receive eternal life, we would not receive the Holy Spirit and be made into the body of Christ, the church. Praise God that he had us in mind a long time ago and he included us, and we belong to him. That's how much God loves us, that he had this mystery that had you and me in mind. And through Jesus Christ, if we have faith in him, we have access to God the Father with freedom and confidence. The book of Hebrews says we can enter into the throne room of grace with bold confidence, because we've been sprinkled with the blood of Christ. Praise God that we have an intimate personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And not just us, but anyone who believes, whether they're Jewish or Gentile, we all have the same access to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Third, the way that God shows that he dearly loves us is that God answers when people pray for you. And God answers when you pray for other people. That's how God shows his love for you. He answers your prayers and answers prayers for you. So here's Paul. He's praying for the Christians in Ephesus. And while he's praying, God is answering those prayers for the Christians in Ephesus. And it's an example for the Christians there to also pray for others. So when people are praying for you, God answers that. When you pray for others, God answers that. Let's read Paul's prayer. It says in Ephesians 3, 14 and 15, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I love this description, because how did Jesus teach us to pray? He said we should pray like this, Our Father who art in heaven. There's something absolutely profound about that approach to God. Number one, he's a loving, perfect heavenly father. Whether you had a bad example as a dad or a great example of a dad, that does not represent the greatness of the fatherhood of God. A father is, his job description is to provide and to protect. And that's exactly what God, your loving heavenly father does. He provides for you and he protects you. Also, a father is the source and supplier 
He is the source and supplier of everything you need. So when you turn to your daddy, Abba, Father, in Christ, he hears your request and he knows what's on your heart even before you open your mouth to ask him. He loves you and he cares about you. And when you kneel, there's something about that that you're humbling yourself. Now, did you know that the way people prayed in Paul's day was by standing? Did you know that when Jesus prayed, he stood with his prayer shawl and had his arms out like this? This is how you prayed as a Jewish person back in that first century. However, when you were under stress and distress or when you had deep feelings, that's when you got on your knees or that's when you got on your face. And Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was on his face praying. So Paul is saying, I have such intense passion in praying for your spiritual growth that I'm on my knees, which speaks volumes. And I'm praying before the Father. Let me just say a personal anecdote that as I was, I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. And I think every Christian should pray it every day. Why? Because in the prayer it says, give us this day our daily bread. It repeats two times that this is a prayer that was meant by Jesus for his disciples to pray every day. And not just wrote in reciting it, but it's an accordion with file cabinets or file folders of you pray about God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. Then you pray about your needs, your forgiveness, and your protection. Those are the six file folders of the Lord's Prayer. And every morning when I kneel before the Lord and I pray through the Lord's Prayer, I praise his name. I pray for the coming and realization of his kingdom in its fullness. I pray for his will to be done here on earth. I pray for whatever needs I have that day, and I pray for the needs of my family. And you, during that next section, give us this day our daily bread, our daily sustenance. And then I pray for forgiveness. But it's a trick request because it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I have to figure out, is there somebody that I have something against? And I have to say, Lord, I forgive that person as an act of the will. And now, having forgiven that person, I ask you to forgive me. So that's the one part of the prayer that it's got a condition in there. You've got to forgive others and be in the practice of constantly forgiving others before you ask God for forgiveness. Otherwise, you can't experience his divine forgiveness as fully as you were meant to experience it. We've got to be a forgiving people. And then you get to protection. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Actually, deliver us from the evil one. So when you're praying through that, I want you to know that I have had a myriad of revelations from praying that prayer. It's like a diamond with many different facets. And one time, I was on my knees, and I said, Our Father, who art in heaven... And then I just realized, wait a second, someone I know died and went to heaven. I said, Father, could you say hello to this person for me? I mean, isn't that cool to realize that God is overall and that God uh, is the father of those who have trusted in, in the past, who trust in the present, and who will ever trust in the future? He's the God of all. He's the father of all. 
and we can talk to him. So Paul gives praise to God for that. And he prays for four specific things. He prays that out of uh, God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So Paul prays for inner strength. I find that you and I often have two prayer requests that are the most repeated. And I've done this as a study. I've had people fill out prayer requests for years. And you know what it all boils down to? I need strength and I need wisdom. Right? And that's what Paul's praying for. He's praying that you would be strengthened in your inner being and that Christ may dwell, that he may be at home as a permanent resident in your heart through faith. You see, you don't want Jesus to come in as a guest and say, okay, leave now, I'm going to live my life. You want Jesus to come into your, the heart of your home and to be a permanent resident to feel at home in your heart as you keep on trusting in him. Paul prays for that. Paul prays that they may be rooted and established in love. So no matter how much you think you realize God loves you, he loves you even more than that. And you are to be secure in the love of God. Some of us are not secure. We feel he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. No, cut that out. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. You've trusted in Christ. Christ has taken the punishment on the cross for you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God really loves you. No strings attached. No shoe that's about to drop. God loves you. Be secure in that love. Be rooted and established in that love. Be like a tree that has its roots way deep and it's never going to be knocked over. Be like a building that is well-constructed and is never going to be shaken or toppled by a tornado or a hurricane because it's secure. It's well-built. Be rooted and established in God's love. And grasp. You know, get power from God to grasp how wide and long and wide and deep is the love of Christ. Now, a lot of people take this and they make much of it. It's not meant to be explained every little, every dimension with all sorts of um, imaginings. Paul is saying, I cannot even begin to explain the multi-dimensions of how great the love of Christ is. But suffice it to say, as John Stott said, that the love of Christ is broad enough to encompass all humankind, especially Jews and Gentiles, that it's long enough to last for eternity, that it's deep enough to reach the most degraded sinner, and that it's high enough to exalt him to heaven. That's what we are to take from this. And the last request is that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that you may grow in Christ-likeness and holiness, and that you would be mature and complete in Christ. God loves you so much that he answers prayers for you and by you 
and we see the love of Christ. But it doesn't stop there. In Ephesians 3, 20 to 21 says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is telling us that our God is more than able to answer your prayers and the prayers of the church above and beyond whatever we could ask or imagine. He can bless our socks off if we'll only ask him, if we'll only trust him, if we'll only go to him in prayer. God does amazing things and he gets all the glory in the church, which was his idea, and in Christ Jesus, his son, who gave himself as a sacrifice for us. So how loved by God are you? You're so loved that God raised up an apostle to the Gentiles, to non-Jews like us, named the Apostle Paul. You are so loved that God revealed a mystery involving you, that through faith in Christ, you're part of the church, which is the people of God. God so dearly loves you that he answers prayers that people make for you and prayers that you make for others. The love of Christ. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.